Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Serial Killers Cafe. I'm your host Stephanie, here with my co-host Ariel. Oh hi! <laughs> and this week we are talking about the Sunset Strip Killers. Yes, there's two of them. I can't wait to get into these guys. So, today's drink of choice for me is pomegranate raspberry tea. The brand is Stash. You can get it like on Amazon, your local grocery store. Um, it's very sweet. It actually sounds so delicious. It's, I'll have to bring some. I'm like, well, I'll give you a sip. Who am I kidding? <laughs> I'll bring some next time, but I'll bring you a bunch. I have a ton of them. I leave a bunch in my desk. Um, it's a very simple one. It's not too overpowering. Um, and the flavor lasts a long time. So what I usually do is I put the tea bag in, then I just continue to refill the hot water mm. until the flavor's gone. Right. So I'm not like putting in a new tea bag, right, but right, right, the right. flavor lasts for a very long time. It's one right. of my favorites. Um, I'm actually just drinking some nice hot water with lemon in it. It's supposed to be really good for your digestion. Ariel's clearly very healthy. I'm like, honey, more honey, <laughs> cookies and, and tea. <laughs> <laughs> cookies and tea. <laughs> That's fine, guys, but whatever. Oh. It's just something, like, nice about holding, like, a hot cup and yeah. that lemony... Mm. Even just, like, holding on your hands, you're like, yeah, this is it. Yeah. And, like, the rest of you could be freezing, but that moment, you're like, I'm going to make it through the winter. Yes. It's going to be great. So, let's dive into Douglas, Daniel Clark, and Carol M. Bundy. FYI, not related to Ted Bundy. Mm. Don't get confused. Nope. A.K.A. The Sunset Strip Killers. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> That was amazing. Just the way you said it, I felt like it needed that. I mean, I support 100%. So I'm going to get into both of their early lives real quick. So born on March 10th, 1948, Douglas Daniel Clark was the son of Franklin Clark, who was actually a naval intelligence officer. His family moved a ton during his childhood due to his dad's job, obviously. Clark attended an exclusive international school in Geneva, and later attended Culver Military Academy. He graduated in 1967 and then enlisted in the Air Force. He was eventually discharged from the Air Force, and I'm assuming just because his time was up, it didn't say anything about him being dishonorably just discharged or anything. Um, And then he actually drifted around as a mechanic for the next decade. He then became a boiler operator for Juergen's Soap Factory in Burbank, California. However, he was actually fired due to the extremely high rate of absence and violent threats he made against his co-workers. That's so nice. But, like, when did this happen, though? Because he went from, like, okay, this great home life, super successful father. He went to all these. Yeah, there was, like, a big gap in his early life. And then, bam, violent. And what were you threatening? Right. And why? What were they doing that you felt the need to be, like, violently threatening them? Yeah. I have no idea. And there was a very big gap in his information. Like, there, it didn't lead up to this. It was like, so by the way, this is what he did, and then he was an asshole. I was like, oh, okay. Well, that, oh, cool, cool. that has escalated extremely fast, but understood. So, uh, one of the bars he actually frequented in the area, and it's actually really important, was called Little Nashville. And this is where he met Carol Bundy. So, Carol Bundy had a troubled childhood. Both her parents were abusive alcoholics. Her mother died when she was young, and her father sexually abused her starting at the age of 11. Mm. Her father eventually remarried and was like, I don't got time for you, and put her in numerous foster homes. By the time Bundy met Doug Clark at the age of 37, she had actually just escaped her third marriage to an abusive man, and she had two sons with that guy. Jeez, she knows how to pick them, huh? Yeah, so 
few interesting facts. So Bundy and Doug. Daniel, sorry. Oh, no, Doug, I was right. Sorry, guys, I'm, like, losing it today, so. Um, Wait, is his name Doug or Daniel? It's it's Doug Daniel. That's why I got confused. Okay. So, Douglas Daniel Clark and Carol Bundy met at this bar called Little Nashville. Now, Doug was there because that's where he would go to let off steam after work and stuff like that. After violently threatening people, you know. Yeah, for no, probably no reason whatsoever. <laughs> Carol was there because she was actually having an affair with her apartment manager, also a part-time country singer, Jack Murray. Mm-hmm. Bundy actually went to Murray's wife and bribed her and was like, can you leave your husband? That'd be great. And so obviously the wife was like, you have to evict her. Right. <laughs> and he did, but Carol kept showing up regularly at the venues where he was singing. And where was he singing? Little Nashville, which is where she met Doug Clark. She seems a little cray-cray. They moved in soon after meeting each other, like very soon. Uh, Learns that they shared very dark sexual fantasies almost immediately. And obviously this was an extremely pivotal moment because it's when they became each other's accomplice. Of course. That's how all good relationships start. Yeah, that's how our relationship started at the mere age of five. Yeah. I was like, do you like serial killers? Same. Yep. (laughs) Okay. We just become best friends. Yep. Um, Okay, so this is, it just keeps getting worse. Clark, so after they move in together, Clark starts bringing home prostitutes uh, to their apartment to have threesomes, which, like, okay, whatever, do what you want to do, everyone has different tastes. But (laughs) then Clark took an interest in an 11-year-old neighbor. His lovely girlfriend, Bundy, helped lure the girl into posing for pornographic photos. She sounds right. so kind. She's like, And this is very great. familiar to, uh, who did we just talk about? Paul Bernardo? Yeah. Recently? And, I mean, it's like, they just, done, touch at the hip. It's, it's very strange. I feel like it, it should have its own name. Like, when two people... Decide they're going to serial kill together? Right. Like... It's just crazy to me that she, he was like, I totally want to have sex with our 11-year-old neighbor. And she's like, no prob. Hold on. She's like, let me make sure I can help you out with that. So once this happened, Clark quickly escalated from pedophilia. Um, basically, he would just, like, openly talk about how much he would like to kill a girl during sex. What a turn on. <laughs> right. Who wouldn't? That's um, crazy. He actually persuaded Bundy to purchase two automatic pistols for him to use. Um, so that he could fulfill his fantasy of killing women during sex and, oh, this is good, feeling her vaginal contractions during the death spasms. I don't think I've ever been so disturbed, and I love disturbing things. Yeah, like, this is strange. (laughs) Yeah, it's really bad. And I think one thing we should definitely point out is it's kind of crazy that, like, Clark ended up this way. Because, like I said, we don't know what triggered him. But, like, meeting Bundy, I mean, meeting Bundy was, like, he was, like, oh, okay, I just, I'll just be, like, she had a really fucked up childhood and upbringing, but he didn't. He was actually, like, it sounds like he had a pretty decent childhood, so I I wish I found more information. And, guys, if you find the information, we might have overlooked it. Please let us know. We would love to know. Right. Um, I want to know how this all happened. Because it definitely, something must have happened that obviously switched in his brain. Because, like, her, we can kind of see, again, it doesn't make it okay, but we can see, like, how they started, where it came from. Him, it was just, like, totally normal childhood, super successful. I'm going to be a serial killer and rapist. I don't know. 
So one night, uh, it would have, would have been June 1980, Clark came home and told Bundy about two teenagers. Um, so one is Gina Narano and Cynthia Chandler, whom he had murdered. He uh, picked them up on the Sunset Strip. He had ordered them to perform a blowjob on him and then shot them both in the head before taking them to a garage and, ready, raping their dead bodies. Wow. Sure, yeah. So uh, he then dumped the bodies near the Ventura Freeway, where they ended up being found the next day. I'm surprised they didn't call this one the Freeway Killer as well, did they? No, these are the, well, so these were the Hollywood Slasher, the Sunset Strip Killers, and the Sunset Strip Sliders. So he's not the only zero killer to be dumping bodies on the Ventura Freeway, though. Which, again, we had also gone through this when we were doing... Mm. The freeway killers, was it? Yeah. Because there was like 80 of them, apparently. They were just all like, let's all kill. We don't know each other. We're going to dump as many bodies as possible. So So, since they were found the next day, I think that it made Bundy pretty uneasy. She ended up phoning the police. Um, She admitted to having some knowledge of the murders, but refused to write any clues as to her boyfriend's identity. So Clark told Bundy that if either of them were apprehended, he would take the blame and hope that she would be allowed to go free. I'm going to call bullshit on that one, but that's okay. So 12 days later, he certainly doesn't take a break, does he? He killed... Two no, it's like exhausting. Don't you need a nap in between these things? Real, like, my goodness, who he can keep up? two prostitutes, Karen Jones and Exie Wilson. Uh, so like before, he lured them into the car, shot them, dumped their bodies um, on a freeway. Uh, he also ended up removing Wilson's head. <laughs> oh my gosh. Clark took the head and stored it in the refrigerator at the apartment. Oh, this is a really interesting one that you're about to say right here. Yeah, this is, uh, this is making me real uncomfortable. Yeah. So, Bundy, his girlfriend, uh, upon seeing the head, put makeup on it. Before you don't want to laugh, but it's Clark. like so ridiculous. I know because I like don't even know how to be speaking about this. <laughs> You're like, I can't believe this is a thing that right. happened. Like, this so is a sentence I need to be reading. Okay. Um. Yep. Put makeup on it before Clark used it again for another um, bout of necrophilia. So apparently he was fucking this person's head. Mm-hmm. Well, it had to have makeup. You need to look nice. Don't be ridiculous. Which, by the way, guys, we can definitely, if you go, um, so Murderpedia always has a ton of really great information on serial killers. So on Carol Bundy's Murderpedia page, there is actually the coroner photos <gasps> that the coroner had. And it's literally like the van, like Jack Murray's van, literally people's heads. Oh, my God. Um, oh, yeah. It's craziness. So this <laughs> So the couple, um, and a couple days later, they took the head that, of course, had been freshly cleaned, had to remove her makeup, uh, <laughs> and put it in a box and just, like, dumped it in an alley somewhere, somewhere near their apartment complex. Um, so three days later, again, he's not taking much of a break. He's kind of just like, boom, 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 boom. Um, so another one of his victims was found in the woods. Uh, this would have been in San Fernando Valley. The victim was actually a runaway named Marnette Comer. Um, She appeared to have been killed about three weeks earlier, making her Clark's first known victim. So it seems like his first victim, he kind of at least tried to conceal a little bit. 
Where the other ones, he was just like, meh, middle of the highway, no biggie. Yeah, a lot of them are very, uh, what's the word, like careless in right. their disposal of their bodies or yeah. whatever. It's like, no, no, you just, okay. No effort. No. Yeah, it's crazy to me. It really is. Um, so, while this is all going on, Bundy, so his girlfriend, was still going to Jack Murray's performances uh, and kind of just like chit-chatting with him. So, obviously, she wasn't over him. Yeah. Um, but apparently... Talk about some strong love. You know right? Saying? Well, after getting a few drinks in her, the conversation turned to things she and Clark were doing. Obviously, Mr. Jack Murray was alarmed and implied that he might tell the police. As most people would. Sure. Well, to prevent this from happening, in August of 1980, Bundy lured Murray into a van after the show to have sex. Once they were inside, she shot... And decapitated him. So she's just, like, learning from the best. Except for the fact that she was pretty bad with the clues she left behind. She left shell casing. Yeah, she was real messy. She, yeah, she did not. So I mean, She was she, like, oh, I'm supposed to take those things? So weird. Oh, man, no one told me. So, like, she got the whole shooting and decapitating thing, but she really was not good at, like, hiding what she had done. Um, so two days later, uh, she ended up, she just felt so guilty that she confessed to her co-workers um, that she had killed him. They called the police, and she gave a full confession to not only her crime, but all of the crimes committed with Douglas Daniel Clark. Yeah. Guilt to kill you, I tell you. I guess so. Okay, so now I'm going to get into the arrest slash conviction of these two. So, obviously we know that the arrest was... Not super complicated because Bundy was like, it was me and it was him. <laughs> and we did all the things. So there wasn't a lot of, uh, you know, chasing or whatever. Because she basically was like, so I'm guilty. He's, he's like over there and he's guilty. <laughs> so it made it actually pretty easy for the police in that regard. So the murder weapons were found hidden at Clark's workplace after his arrest. Because, hey, where do you put your murder weapons? Clearly the place that you work at. Like, imagine if somebody you worked with found them. Like, oh, what you doing with this axe? Like, oh, I just chopped off someone's head and put makeup on it. But it's cool. <laughs> don't worry about it. Nope. I will not totally do it to you. Don't <laughs> like, like don't what? Worry. So, Bundy was charged with two murders. Murray, obviously. And the unknown victim, victim whose killing she confessed to having been present at. Which, this is, again, like Paul Bernardo and his wife. Because she was... He, Paul Bernardo was like, okay, so I was, like, just the fall guy. I just, like, did the rapey, and she did all the other stuff. And literally, Doug said the same thing. He was like, so I was just, like, her fall guy. Like, she did all the stuff, and I was just, like, there. So maybe go easy on me. Like, literally, he was like, it wasn't me, guys. It was, this is all on her. Well, again, the jury was like, <laughs> good joke. He was charged with six murders, Clark. At his trial, he acted as his own defense counsel, which is another thing we see all the time with serial killers because they're so confident in their decisions that they just represent themselves. Because they are cocky right. motherfuckers. They're like, yeah, so I got this. He actually, And again, he tried to blame Bundy for everything, claiming he had been manipulated by her. Crazy. Yeah, clearly. Uh, the jury did not believe him, obviously, like I said, and he was sentenced to death row in 1983. In case y'all are wondering, he still remains on death row in California. 
crazy to me. That was so long ago. So we are now in 2020. And so he has, he is still on death row and he is currently 67. Uh, Bundy made a plea bargain in return for her testimony and was sentenced to 52 years to life imprisonment. But she died in prison from heart failure in 2003 at the age of 61. So she's a goner. So there are actually a ton of books that were written about Bundy and Clark. They are known as the Sunset Strip Killers. And there are so many books. I mean, we didn't read them. We, I mean, some of them were very long. We didn't have time. We did read some info about them. But there's a lot of books. So if you're super interested... By all means, Amazon has a killer selection of pretty much any book ever. So I'm sure you could find it. Um, also, your local library. I don't know if people still go to those. <laughs> but they have also great selections. Um, so before we go, I just need to read a little excerpt from one of the books that was written. Um, so it's just this is just so bizarre to me. I'm just going to read it verbatim. It's on Murderpedia anyone's wondering. Ariel's trying to hold in her last, so I can't wait it's to like, it's, hear what this is. <laughs> just wait. Okay, so... Okay. <laughs> Carol remembered their first night together as being incredible. Doug had been considerate in his lovemaking, seeming to genuinely enjoy pleasuring her. His constant whispering of how much he enjoyed her and what a wonderful and intelligent woman she was had been like music to her affection-starved soul. By morning, she was fully... Pr- it gets Sorry! So much it gets so much better! By morning, she was fully primed for the next round in Doug's game. She awoke to find him looking down on her with a lost expression. Right on cue, Carol insisted that he tell her what was wrong. Reluctantly, he confessed that he was having problems with his landlady and wondered whether he could move some things into her apartment. Because, you know, we just met, so please move some stuff into my apartment. But, of course, that was fine with Carol. As he left, he wondered out loud if he could ask for one more thing from her. Could he have a pair of her underpants? His explanation that it would help him to remember her while he was away somehow overcame Carol's initial... I don't know that word. Um, So, but he made it sound so romantic that he wanted her underwear, right? When she... As most do. (laughs) When she brought her large cotton underpants to him, he quickly gave them back because they were far too big. She soon got over her hurt. I like that that's why they're returned. <laughs> she soon got over her hurt at his rejection as she marveled at her luck in finding such an adorable and handsome man. She hoped he would return for her soon. <laughs> I, Same. I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even have words for I, that. It doesn't even sound real. Though. I, literally, I don't even have words. That's I'm just insane. picturing her handing him these, like, big old granny panties. Like, you don't have some sexy underwear you can give your serial killer boyfriend. Come on. <laughs> you know what he's looking for. You're obviously okay. not prepared. He didn't want your granny panties. <laughs> oh, oh, my gosh. Man. That's so funny. She's, like, a really great excerpt. And which book is that from? It do we know? Because there's, like, 600 know. of them. Yeah. <laughs> I do know. <laughs> Let me guess. So, it is from Addicted to Love, The Sunset Strip Murders by Fiona Steele. Oh. So I don't know if this is actually a book or if this is kind of like a short story kind of thing that's on here. Let me double check real quick. Because I don't think that it has the entire book. This is just, it looks like it might be a short story. I mean, it's well written. I just can't believe that like this is The true. song Addicted to Love just came up. Give me a hot set. <laughs> of course. <laughs> really probably should have narrowed it down. The Sunset Strip. Killers. I was just going to say Addicted to Love could be so many things, but okay. 
Yeah, uh, it looks like it might just be that. Okay, yeah. Ooh, I lied. Well, I didn't lie, sorry. Well, so if you it actually want- looks like it's a, like IMDb has it. Oh. It's a documentary. Man, we missed that. Rough. All right. Well, if you guys want a, a short little story to read uh, about the Sunset Killers, take a look on uh, Murdy, Murderpedia. Um, yeah. It's certainly very interesting. Some other fun facts we have is the Sunset Strip Killer nickname is actually really common um, based on, like, the media or police. I don't, I don't know exactly. I know the media usually gives them a nickname, and then, like, the FBI or the police or whatever give them a nickname, and sometimes it's the same and sometimes it's different. But the Sunset Strip Killers was actually... Um, Kenneth Bianchi and Angelo Buono were also a pair that killed people, and they were also known as Sunset Strip Killers. Can you be a little bit more original and come up with some better names? I also believe that there was an actual article that said Paul Bernardo and his wife were also known at one point as the Sunset Strip Killers. Why? So just, like, throwing... They were in Canada. Listen, I don't... Right? I don't know. Um, But that was only in one, so that might have been a typo. Right. Um, And then... We really don't know how long it would have taken them to get arrested because paranoia is really what took them out. Yeah. She was right. like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, like, oh my God. So guilty, I have to say. Hashtag, that. we know what anxiety is like. So I feel like I, I understand her. I feel that in that moment. Like, I would never, this is why I couldn't kill people because I'd be like, oh my God, they're coming for me. And they'd be like, yeah, no, we don't know who you are. And so I'd be freaking out all the time. In. Yeah, it'd just be easier. Yeah. I actually am not. I would never put makeup on a dead face either. So oh, that makes me very uncomfortable. And she was so chill about it. Right. And like, then she wiped she, it off. And she like opened the freezer and was like, oh my God, I've been wanting to practice makeup. Here's a head. Oh my God, like those Barbie Perfect. doll heads that like, you got when I you were know, a kid. Right. All I'm thinking about is being in beauty school and I have one of those heads. Yes. That you could put makeup on. It's so uncomfortable. She could have just bought one. I'm just saying. She didn't need to use a decapitated head. But, you know, <laughs> she could have just bought one. What else? Um, this is actually a super interesting fun fact. So about a decade ago, so around 2010, uh, a federal judge placed a moratorium, also known as a suspension, oh, on capital punishment in California after claiming it was unconstitutional. Oh. This is why... Is that why he's still freaking alive? Clark will most likely die of old age as all executions have been brought to a halt. So, obviously, as times change, things change. And the death penalty was clearly once very widely accepted, whereas now it's not. Right. So, I don't necessarily... I mean, I'm going to change the name. You're technically not on death row if you're like... I mean, you're still going to die on... So maybe you are. I don't know. Right. But you're not going because of the death penalty. At least I don't know. There wasn't any sort of information or anything saying that, like, this was going to be lifted anytime soon. Right. I mean, basically, they were like, we're pretty sure this is unethical as fuck. Mm-hmm. And so we're not going to practice it. And everyone was like, cool, 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 cool. So he's basically just going to die of old age. Watch. If he hasn't, he's, I mean, 67, honestly, he's not old. I know when we were five, is we thought it was old. 67 right now? He was so young when he got arrested. I know. Like, in his 20s. Yeah. Super young. So, most likely he will will just end up dying. But, like, imagine if you were just, you're like, okay, finally, I'm going to go by the death penalty. Mm -hmm. And then they're like, plot twist, no, you wait. Mm -hmm. And then, now you're just waiting. Like, what if he lives to, I mean, I wouldn't feel bad for him. But what if he lives till he's, like, 100? Seriously. So, that's still mad years left. That's still, like, 33 years to be 100. Yeah, that's a long time. That he could just be sitting there. Yeah, and then just to end it with a fun little quote from our good buddy Clark here. 
Um, he said, I don't think I'll ever die. Oh, sorry. I don't think I'll ever live long enough to get out of here, but you get by. I've always been a very zen person. Which again, were you? You shot people. You killed head. quite a few people. How zen You cut you off heads and stuff. And what you're saying is that makes you a very like. It's funny that of all the things he could think of himself right. as, a Zen person is what he's choosing. So, guys, that is the Sunset Strip Killers, aka our good friends Doug Clark and Carol Bundy. Um, and thanks for listening. Happy Wednesday! Please make sure to follow us, like us, rate us, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, email us seriallykillerscafe at gmail.com with any questions, comments, concerns, suggestions. And we hope that you have a great rest of your day.